Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you guys are here with us. Just like we, we saw on the video, um, we're excited about what God is doing um, in, in our church, and it's, it's a great time to be a part of, uh, of Central. And uh, just like Ben said, my name is Clayton, and I'm the, the senior pastor here. I'm glad you guys are with us. If you're a guest with us, thank you for being here. For those of you watching online, thanks for hanging out with us um, for, for a little bit. I'd love for you guys to be able to have the notes um, for the, the message today, so scan the QR code anywhere on the screens, and you can get that, um, as well as we continue in our series. We're in week two of our series um, this week, and uh, this, this whole last week, Holly and I, we got to go to, to Colorado, and um, Colorado is one of our favorite places. Some of you guys like the beach. Uh, there's just too much sand at the beach um, for me, and I, lo- I love the mountains, and so we, we, we drove to, to Colorado, and as you're getting closer and closer to the mountains, uh, the Rocky Mountains, um, man, it's just, it's just beautiful. And you see the, the majesty of that and the majesticness of, of the, the, the peaks. And, and as you get closer and closer, you see all the trees. And it's just beautiful. And I love the trees because I'm a West Texas kid. So, you know, any tree is a good tree for me. And, and so, so uh, you know, we're, we're getting closer and closer to, to the mountains. And we go over this, uh, this pass. And as we got closer, we realized that, you know, that beautiful uh, scenery was actually not that pretty when we got a little closer because, in this, this pass we went over, it was just full of dead trees. About every other tree was dead from this, this beetle that had swept through and just, and just killed almost all of the trees. It was just like a tinderbox waiting to happen. I was afraid it was going to be a fire, and, and it, just, it would have gone really quick. And um, So we, we're going through that, and I just, I just realized that the closer I got to it, the, the more it actually had some issues. And I think, you know, sometimes our families are kind of the same way. You know, we... From, the, from far away, everything looks great, doesn't it? But you know your family. You know what happens behind closed doors. And you realize that, that sometimes families struggle. Probably every family struggles. And we, we, we sometimes, like, fake it, you know? Like, we, on social media, you, go, you can just scroll right now on Facebook or Instagram anywhere. And in just a second, you could find a family that's maybe went to a ball game yesterday. And they look happy and everything's perfect and got the jerseys on and they're, you know, they're just living their, their best life. But the truth is, is that, that they didn't show you everything. They didn't show you the, the kid that was screaming in the car for a couple hours or that teenager that does not want to be there and had their AirPods in the entire time or the, the parents that were fighting over their finances and, and uh, what they were going to, uh, what, what was going to, life was going to be like for the rest of this, this week. And they were just, they're just really struggling and, and we fake it a lot of times and everything from the outside looks great. But the truth is, is that a lot of families just aren't thriving today. A lot of families are, are kind of like that, that forest, and the closer you get, you realize uh, there's a lot of dead things there. There's a lot of struggling there. And that's what I want to talk about today. In fact, we've been going through this, this series, um, and we're going to be looking at three keys to, to a thriving family, because God wants your family to thrive. He loves your family. I would say he loves your family more than he loves the church, and he loves the church completely. He loves your family because that is the very first institution that God created was the family. He wants your family to thrive. And so we've been looking through the, the book of Ruth and, and talking about um, how we can have thriving families. And last week we talked about, about uh, having a super glue kind of attitude. And we talked about how we need to be sticking together no matter what. And that's exactly what this, this lady named Naomi and her daughter-in-law named Ruth, they, they were completely um, alone, just the two of them. They lost everything, and, and they stuck together through thick and through thin. And that's what a thriving family needs to do. But also today, I want to talk about um, something else that we see in, later on in their story, that there is this faith-filled risk-taking that thriving families have. 
And I don't know about your family or my family, but a lot of times we are, we are scared of taking some risks that God wants us to take. So we're going to talk about it today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ruth chapter 2, and we'll, we'll look at some things um, today. We were in Ruth chapter 1 last week, and so uh, today we'll be in Ruth chapter 2. So I'll throw, the, throw everything up on the screen here today. Um, but let's, let's, let's continue on the story. So one day, Ruth, uh, the Moabite, um, she said to Naomi, so they are, they are in uh, Bethlehem. They have gone from Moab all the way to, to the land of Judah, to, to Bethlehem, and they're, they're there right now, and they are all alone. I don't know if they found a shack to live in. We don't know um, that what their situation was, but they had nobody. And here's what it says. Naomi, uh, Ruth said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain that were left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let me do it. And Naomi replied, she said, all right, my daughter, go ahead. You might be like, well, what is, what is the purpose of that? How, how important is that little passage? Well, that passage is really significant. If you understand the cultural ramifications of what is going on, because these are two women. And back then, women didn't have the rights that they, they have today in our modern culture. In fact, if you were a woman and you didn't have men in your life, man, you were in really bad situation. You had no way of getting income. You had no financial security. You had no future security. I mean, you were in utter poverty. And there were these social restrictions. You couldn't go and just get a job. I mean, that's not how it worked back then. The goal for women was not to go get a job. It was to go and get a man. You may think that's sexist, but that's actually how it was back then. And, and so she says, hey, can I go out into these fields? And going into the field was a, was a really risky Thing to do. It was dangerous to be by yourself out in these fields. What do you think about your family? Who's the risk taker in your family? Anybody a risk taker in their family? Anybody? Okay, you got, got a couple people. There, there, there's always one, fam, one family member that's the risk taker, and everybody just spends their whole time trying to corral them and keep them you know, safe. But there's always a risk taker. But I think Every family also has an actuary. You know what an actuary is? An actuary is someone uh, who professionally like, calculates risk and for, for insurance companies or things like that and says, you know what, we shouldn't go that way. We should instead go this way with their business because you know, it's dangerous that way or we're not going to insure that person because they like to skydive or you know, whatever, right? And so there, there's an actuary, and I think there's an actuary in every family. There's always those people that, that are always calculating risks. And you're, you're the one who every time your kid goes out uh, to, to ride their bike or get in their car, what do you say? Be careful, right? And they're like, oh, thanks, Mom. I had no idea, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to be moms. Guys can do it too, right? Um, so, so <laughs> my bad. I'm in trouble after that one. But right, so so we always have people that, that are that are averse to risk in our in our families. We're those that want to make sure everything is 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 okay and, and safe. I think the reason is is because we have we have some fears there. We have fear of the unknown, right? We don't, we don't know how, the, how it's going to turn out, and so we're kind of we're scared, scared about that. We, there's no guaranteed outcome, and so we want to make sure that we can play it safe so we can have the outcome we want. Or I think we also are averse to risk because we fear judgment by other people. That if we go and do something that's a little risky or something that puts us out there in front of everybody, there's a chance that we may get burned. There might be rejection, there might be criticism, and maybe even some loss of respect. And so we're saying, you know what, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm not going to put my, myself out there. I think also we're afraid of risk because we fear failure. Our culture teaches us to run from mistakes, right? I mean, when you're little, 
whether it was in sports or in school, they would teach us to, to, to make sure you don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake on that test. Don't make a mistake in that game. And if you don't make any mistakes, then that equals success. And so we have this fear of failure that actually keeps us from going and doing some things that maybe God wants us to do. And Naomi had to get over that fear. She had a fear for her daughter-in-law. She also had a fear for, for herself and how they were going to survive. But she had to get over that fear. And if you're taking notes today, here's something that, that she had to get over and had to do. She, she had to cut the cord. She had, to, she had to let Ruth go. And I think it's one of the hardest things to do in, as parents, isn't it? I mean, you're a parent in this room. Man, it's very difficult. And teenagers over here, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But like one day you will know when you have kids... It's so hard to let them go. We are control freaks by nature. We want to control their lives. We want to, to make sure everything is going to be perfect. And we're either helicopter parents or lawnmower parents, right? Helicopter parents hover. Lawnmower parents, they mow down all the competition, any problems that their kid's going to have in life, okay? And so that's how we are. But the truth is, is that we sometimes need to let our kids go. We got to release them to live their own lives. And that is so scary in this world. But when we do that, it's actually an incredible act of faith where we're trusting and praying and saying, God, you're gonna have to step in, you know? You're gonna have to do something here. You're gonna have to protect them. You're gonna have to provide for them because if I let them go, I feel like I'm not in control anymore. But I think there's a couple things that we need to know about this um, that will help us when we're letting our kids go and cutting the cord. And the first one is this. Did y'all know that God knows and loves your kid or your family member more than you do? Way more than you do. Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to read some verses here. They're not on the screen. Matthew 10, 30 says that the very hairs on your head are all numbered by God. Do you know how many hairs are on the top of your kid's head? No, you don't, but God does. He loves your kid so much. 1 Timothy 2, 4 says that God wants every single person to come to faith and to be saved, even your kid. He has a great future for your kid. He has a great future for your family member. We got to trust him sometimes that he will provide and do what is right. And if you're scared about letting your kid go, here's, here's another great, great thing to think about. In the end, like if your kid is saved, if your family member is saved, they're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. In fact, the Bible promises that. Romans 8, 38, it says, I am convinced, Paul is talking about, he's saying, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Even when a kid goes astray, nothing can separate them from the love of God. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And you know what? Even if this life is difficult for them, if they are a believer in Christ, here's what the Bible says in Revelation 21.4, that he will, God will, wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That is the promise that God says, you know what? You may not be able to provide and control everything, but I've got this. I've got this in their life. You know, sometimes we 
We raise our kids, and then we want to kind of be their savior too. When we think about giving up control and risking, risking things and risking even cutting the cord in, in, our, in their lives and our relationship with them, we got to realize something, that, that Jesus is the only savior they need, okay? They don't need you to save them. Jesus is the one that will save them. Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no one else, not in you as a parent. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. God has your family. We love to be in control because we only trust ourselves. Deep down inside, we trust ourselves the most. And God is asking us, saying, hey, will you give me control? Will you provide and do all those things that a loving parent, loving family member does, but you've got to cut the cord and let me work on their lives? Naomi, she could have taken Ruth and just hid, hid her away, right? Kept her in the house, tucked her away, but she knew that her own future and Ruth's future were tied up in getting out there and taking a risk. And Naomi's risk was cutting the cord and letting Ruth go. But the story continues in, in Ruth chapter 2. Again, we're, we're going to pick up it in Ruth uh, 2 verse 3. Here's what happens. It says, so Ruth went out. I mean, as simple as that. Ruth went out to, to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. And so we'll talk about Boaz next, next week. But she went out. She went out into the field. Now, this was really risky. But let me tell you something else. This was really actually pretty brilliant and pretty smart. I don't know if you ever read this in Leviticus chapter 23. But Leviticus is not a book we look at a lot because it's, it's just full of all these Old Testament laws. But there's this one law that's in Leviticus, and evidently both Naomi and Ruth had heard about this law. Here's what it says. It says, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. God said, hey, if you own land and you've got a, this field and you've got workers in the field, make sure you, you leave a little bit on the edges, okay? You leave the crust, okay, <laughs> right? You leave a little bit um, on, on the edge and you don't pick that up. And if you drop some, just leave it because there are some people in your society and in, in your community that need that. He says, I am the Lord your God. Make sure you do that. So Ruth jumping into a field, it wasn't like she was stealing or doing something illegal. She knew that this was the thing to do. Even though it was still scary and risky for her to, to jump out there and do that, she knew that there was some wisdom behind it. And the great thing to think about today is that, that Ruth, she boldly entered the field. Man, what a great statement that is. She jumped out there and, and got out there, and she didn't know anybody else. She didn't know what the future had for her. She didn't know what was going to happen to her, but she boldly went out into the field. And she was willing to take some risks to see a better future for herself and for her family. And sometimes you have to do some things in your own life that you wouldn't normally do but maybe God is calling you to do some risky things for your family. I think for a lot of us, the way that we approach risk is we need to lay aside our pride a little bit. Perhaps there's a financial situation in your family and you, want to, you don't want anybody to know about it, but you might need to put your pride aside and you need to go and get that second job. 
It doesn't really matter what people look at you or what they think about you. It's because you're trying to provide for your family. You're, you're taking the risk of being, being um, in our culture looked at poorly or something like that. And you say, you know what, I don't care. I'm, I've got to provide for my family. Some of you guys need to, to sell that boat that you've been hanging on to, to for too long and give that up for your family. Some of us need to say no to that food or to, to that drink that, that, that we have been hanging on to for comfort so that we can have a better future with our family, for our kids and for our spouse. So, I mean, that, that's something really personal to me. Like, I have been a comfort eater for 40 years. Anybody else a comfort eater? Like, I just love food. I mean, I just, I just love it, right? Um, like my son, Corbin's just staring at me. He's got his arm crossed like, mm. Okay, so yesterday... Got to be honest with you guys. Okay, so yesterday, I'm, I am in my, uh, I'm in my kitchen, and um, I'm just so lazy, I, I, I just eat in my kitchen. I, I can't even walk to the table. Anybody else? Is it just me? Okay, so I am, I am sitting there, or standing there, actually, and my son comes down the stairs, and, and he catches me um, with a bag of Fritos, okay, and, uh, and bean dip. <laughs> so gross. And so uh, my dad's probably going to watch this later. And he, that's, I got it from you. I got it from you, Dad. I mean, it's just your fault. And, and so I'm eating this, and my son just looks at me, and he just like this, this look of disapproval. And he's just like, and he's like, what are you doing? And if you know my son, he like works out all the time. He's like super fit, and I'm super jealous of him. And, and, uh, and I'm like, Leave me alone. I'm 40 years old. I can do what I want to do, you know. And, uh, and, and so we get into this argument. It's so bad that, uh, that my, my wife gets her phone out and records it. Um, so, and, so, and, and he's trying to hold me accountable. And here's the truth, guys. I love my comfort. I love it so much that I'd even risk the future with my kids for it. Man, I, I, I want to be in great shape. I want to be skinny and be able to live this great long life. I want that. But, man, I really want my comfort too. I think in this life we've got to be willing to risk something for our families. Ruth and Naomi were will, willing to do that. She was willing, Ruth was willing to, to get out in that field even though she didn't know what it was going to be like. And she was willing to risk her comfort for her future. Are you? Am I? Ruth was. You know, she, she wasn't done. There's more to this story. And so I want to take you through a little bit of it. In, in Ruth chapter 3, the story continues and says, okay, so, all right, this is where, you know, kids in the room, you might need to leave. This is where it goes from like PG to rated R real quick, okay? So here we go. It says, one day, um, Naomi said to Ruth, okay, she's like, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you um, so that you will be, you'll be provided for. She's pretty much saying, hey, you need to get out of the house and find a man. That's what she's pretty much saying, okay? It's time for you to, to go and find a man. And so here's what she says. Boaz, hey, y'all hear about Boaz? This, this guy, he's got his field. He's rich. He's good looking. He says, Boaz, he's a close relative of ours. And he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. So tonight, guess what? He's going to be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. You're like, what in the world does that mean? Okay, we'll get into that. Um, uh, so, so she says, hey, I, I know where Boaz is going to be, and here's what I'd like you to do. Now do as I tell you. 
take a bath and put on perfume. And, okay? So she's like, hey, you smell. You stink. You just stink, right? You've been out in the field. I don't know if that was really going on. But she says, hey, I want you, I want you to, to take a bath. I want you to put perfume on um, and dress in your nicest clothes. Like what in the world is going on? Well, in that culture, if, if your husband had died, if your spouse had died, remember Ruth's, um, Ruth's husband had, had passed away, okay? She has no man in her life. And culturally, you would stay in a state of mourning for years. You would put your hair a certain way. You would dress a certain way. You would socially not interact with people because you were mourning. And what Naomi is saying is saying, mourning time is, is over. It's over. She's saying, I want, you to, I want you to update your profile and say that you're available, right? You're, you're single and ready to mingle, okay? So that's pretty much what she's saying to, to, to Ruth. Hey, it's time for you to take a bath, to dress, dress up, and, and get your hair done, okay? So you smell good because you need to go and find a man. And I got a man for you. I got, I got Boaz picked out for you, okay? And so that's one thing she does. But also, goes on and says this. This is where it gets a little risque, okay? Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking, okay? So, so evidently that's where the guys would hang out. It was the, the, the no girls allowed zone, okay? And so the guys would hang out at the threshing floor, and they would, they would uh, party there evidently and, and sa- said, hey, wait till he is done, okay? And be sure to notice where he, where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there, and he will tell you what to do. What in the world is that talking about, okay? That sounds really weird. Okay, so, <laughs> so we're not totally sure of what all of this means, but, but this was a very romantic and even provocative gesture. Now, there's no evidence that, that Naomi was telling Ruth to go and sin. But I will say this. She was telling Ruth to go and make a move, okay? To go and make a move. And, that, that's, and that, that's, that's exactly what, what she did. She went out and waited until, until Boaz was asleep. And she, Boaz has his blanket over him. He's laying in the hay or whatever. And so she goes up to him and sneaks around. And there's other people that are asleep uh, around there. And so she sneaks up. And she had to make sure it was Boaz. Because if she didn't, that would be super weird, okay, and awkward. And so she makes sure it's Boaz. And she lays down at his feet. Not with him, but at his feet takes the covers off of his, his feet and puts it over herself, okay? And that was, in that culture, getting down on one knee proposal time. That's exactly what, what that was about. And so Boaz wakes up in the story. He's like, what in the world is going on? And see that, sees that it is, is Ruth. But I think the, the thing that we need to take away from this is that Ruth just did that. She boldly made a move. Any, anybody ever been to a middle school dance? I remember my middle school dances, man. They were just brutal. And so here's how it was. Maybe it was just me and, and you guys were way cooler than me. But, but my, my middle school dance was me with all my guy friends over here against the wall for like an hour and a half. Just kind of talking and pretending like we were cool. And, and all the, the girls are on the, on the other side of the dance floor. And they're just talking and chatting and, you know, looking at the guys, whatever. But we would never interact with each other. And then it was always the, the two awkward, like uh, the, the chaperone couple that was dancing, you know. And, and we are just making fun of them until it took one guy with about 15 minutes left in the dance 
to have some boldness to take that long walk, okay, all by himself across no man's land over to the ladies and ask someone to dance. And all the other guys are like, well, if he's doing that, I better do that. And so we would all go over there, and within like an instant, we're all out there dancing and having an incredible time and wondering, why did we not have some boldness at the beginning? We missed out on so much. And Ruth was willing to, to make that bold move because that's how God wants us to be. Look what 2 Timothy chapter 1 says. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. If you are in Christ, he wants you to be bold in this life. But instead, he's given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. In this life, we need to take some risks. In your family, God's plan for your family is not to play it safe. That is not the purpose of your family. It's just to get through this life unscathed. In fact, Jesus talks about it a lot, about being a risk taker for God, for a purpose. Think about the, the parable of the talents. Some of you remember the parable of the talents in Matthew uh, chapter 25. Um, but there was this parable Jesus teaches and says, hey, there's this landowner and he's got all this money and he's going to go away for a while. And he's got these three, these three uh, the servants and they're going, he's giving them some money and says, hey, I want you to, to invest it and, and um, to take care of it well. And so, and so he leaves and a couple of them go and invest that money. They take that risk, right? Investment is risk. There's a possibility he may lose it all. But these guys were able to invest their money wisely with wisdom, and, and they were able to, to, to make a return on that investment. But here's what it says about one of the guys. He says, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. He says, look, here, here's your money back. He says, hey, all I've got is what you gave me. And he gets reprimanded for it. He gets punished for it. And the principle there is that, that God wants us to take calculated risks in our lives. We need to take some risks with our families. I would say we also need to take some risks in our church. The purpose of our church is to reach people who do not know Jesus. Simple as that. And we need to be like the people who came before us. If we want to know what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. Now, all you got to do is, is look into Scripture. Scripture is full of people who did not play it safe, who put aside some of their personal wants and desires and says, said, hey, I am going to go and I'm going to live my life for God. I think about people in the Old Testament like Abraham, Noah. Those guys took some incredible risks, right, and put themselves out there. Moses, standing in front of Pharaoh, took that risk. David, trying to lead a nation, and people were fighting, fighting against him. And standing in front of Goliath, he took some risks. You go in the New Testament, you see people like Mary, Jesus' mother, and the risk that she took culturally during that time to birth the Son of God and to provide for him as he was growing up. Think about the disciples and all the risks that they took, leaving behind everything and following Jesus. Think about Paul and all of his travels and all the risks and the times he was shipwrecked and put in jail. I mean, his life was just full of risk for the glory of God. Think about people like, like Stephen, who's willing to risk his very own life to tell the truth. But out of all those people, the one that we should be modeling our life after is Jesus himself. He was a pretty big risk taker, wasn't he? He wasn't playing it safe. You see, the purpose of you being at this church is not to 
preserve this church. That's not the purpose of this church. The purpose is transformation, not preservation. God wants us to be risk takers for him and for his glory. And when you and I take risks with our family and with God's church, and we take these risks that are spirit-filled, something happens. Think about this. An opportunity comes our way. In fact, I would say multiple opportunities come our way. And it's not just like a feel-good talk. This is actually what Scripture says in this story with Ruth and Naomi. Their, their risk-taking opened incredible doors of opportunity. First was the, the um, immediate security door of, of opportunity. See, Boaz recognizes what Ruth is doing. And he goes and asks some of his workers, hey, who is this lady? And they, like, hey, this is, this, is, uh, this is Ruth, and she's doing these things. And Boaz recognized the boldness of her. And he goes and, and speaks to her and, and provides for her in, like, in an incredible way. And, and, and Ruth says, man, who, why, why are you talking to me? I'm, I'm a nobody. And Boaz pretty much says, hey, you, are, you were a nobody, but your boldness has made you a somebody. And here's what, here's what Ruth, or actually Boaz says in Ruth chapter 2. So Boaz went over and said to Ruth, hey, listen, my daughter. I'm going to provide an, a better opportunity for you. Stay right here with us when you, when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. And he goes on and says, see which part of the field that they are harvesting and then follow them. And, and I have warned even the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water that they have drawn from the well. And then in verse 23, he says, so, so Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's field, and she gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. But she wasn't done there. There was even another opportunity. He says, then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. They're like, what, what is that? What's going on here? Boaz recognized the boldness of Ruth and says, hey, I've got a better opportunity for you. And her risk, taking some risks, and Naomi taking some risks by, by cutting the cord, ended up blessing them like they had never experienced before. And not only did that have this immediate security for them, but in that weird proposal story with, with Ruth sneaking into the threshing floor, there is this future security that is going to be provided for them. That's not something we're going to talk about today. In fact, you've got to come back next week. That's exactly what we're going to talk about, this amazing ending that happens in this story. So let me ask this. Why does this matter? Why, why does all of this even, even matter in, in, for us today? Because that story is really, really old, culturally way different than ours. And I think it's this. That there is an epidemic of playing it safe in our lives. That's why we have tons of insurance policies, you know. We're playing it safe. In fact, someone doesn't have life insurance, doesn't have insurance on, on their car or whatever, you're like, man, that's risky. That's scary. You're putting yourself out there. Culturally, we're supposed to make sure that we are safe and secure. But when we do that with our faith, when we do that with our families, what's happening is, is we are really not truly trusting God. We're trusting ourselves. And taking risks 
is actually faith in action. It's us living out our faith. Not just saying that we have faith, but putting our faith on the table and saying, look at the evidence. I am actually truly trusting in God. In Hebrews chapter 11, there's, I'm going to read this uh, on, on my notes here. It's not on the screen, but there's this, there's this great passage of describing all these incredible guys um, from the Old Testament and saying, hey, man, they had some incredible faith. Now, I want you to try to recognize what was their faith. Okay, here's what it says. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people, they overthrew kingdoms. They rule with justice, and they received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength, and they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. doesn't say, oh, man, they just, they just love the Lord, and they just kind of, you know, just make sure everything was safe and secure. No, it says that they love God, and they're willing to risk everything. That was their faith in action. And there are great examples of faith. You see, having faith doesn't mean that you get a safe life. It means that you get a saved life. And when you have a saved life, that means there is security there for you, eternal security, so you can go out and take some risks in your life. Hebrews 11 also says this. I'm going to put this one up on the screen. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Let me say this another way. It's impossible to please God without taking some risks. Because when you take risks, you're taking the results out of your own hands and saying they're in God's hands. When you take risks, what you're doing is you're building trust with God. Especially when it comes to your family. When you take risks, what's happening is you're providing space for God to work in your life and for him to get the glory. So how do you put your faith into practice? Well, in this story specifically, you got to let your kids go. That's really hard. Naomi wasn't with Ruth. I don't know if you recognize that, but in the story, Naomi gives her permission to go. She cuts the cord. But she didn't sneak around and spy on Ruth. And we know it because Ruth would go back and, and, and Naomi would say, what happened? Okay, tell me what happened because I wasn't there. She cut the cord and let Ruth go. She sent her out. So we got to let our kids go sometimes. Now, there needs to be wisdom in that. And there was wisdom in this because Naomi knew the, the, the law, the moral law of like, hey, they're going to provide for you. There's gonna be, they're not going to um, take some of the, the, the crops from the side. You can go and do this. You're not going to get arrested. You're not gonna, it's not going to go bad for you. Like there, there's a risk for that, but, but there's wisdom in it as well. And so I think for us, when we think about letting our kids go, we need to have some wisdom in that. We need to provide wisdom for them, give them advice. But at the end of the day, we got to put them in God's hands. And I'm telling you that as a, as a dad with a 17-year-old senior and a 15-year-old sophomore, and I'm just scared to death. Scared to death. It's, it's tough. And i got a couple months left with my son. I'm going to start crying. I, I, it's just tough to think about letting them go. But 
That is their life, right? And I get to be a dad with them in my house for just a little bit of time. For those of you who your kids are grown, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You just blink and they're gone. Now, I can give them wisdom. I can give them advice. But I can't control their lives. It's not biblical to do that. How else do you put your faith into practice? I think you've got to boldly step into the arena. You've got to boldly step onto the field, even when you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Some of you think about where you're going to go to college or what you're going to do with your future. Make a decision and boldly step out, right? Don't be paralyzed with fear. Some of you are thinking about starting that business or changing that career. Boldly do it for your family and for the glory of God. Some of you need to get healthy, amen, right? I need to get healthy. Can we have some boldness to do that? Some of us need to take a stand in a relationship, at work, at school, and we're scared about what other people are going to think about us. But we know what we need to do. Taking a stand is a risk. But that's a calculated risk that God wants us to take. Some of you have some relationships where you need to share your faith. You need to actually tell someone about Jesus. And you're scared to death to do that. You're scared because you care, we care more about what they think about us and what God thinks about us and what he's calling us to do. This church, and I would say even more than that, your family needs the risk taker in you. Because what happens is, is when you take risks that are full of wisdom, that are spirit-filled, opportunities will come. Opportunities that you've never experienced or thought were, were possible. And then that is you acting out your faith, which brings you closer to God like never before. When we play it safe, we're just trusting in ourselves. And God says, I want you to trust in me. Watch what I can do in your life. And you'll see through that moment onto the other side, you have this close, like, closeness with God like you've never experienced. And then your family thrives because you're being the person God created you to be. That is my hope for my family and for yours as well. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you first off for every family here today. And Lord, I also thank you for Jesus who was willing to risk it all, his very life to pay for our sins. And Lord, if someone needs to take that big risk of trusting in you to save them from their sins, I pray that today may be the day of salvation. Lord, our families are worth it for us to lay aside our pride, to take some risks. It's a biblical concept. We see it throughout scripture of people who were nobodies, who became somebodies because they trusted 
you with the outcome. And they were bold in their faith. Help us, God, to be like that. Lord, I don't know what people need to do here. You do. You know the decisions that are on the table for them. You know the mistakes they've made. You know the opportunities that are in front of them. I pray, God, you give them boldness. You would help them to provide for their family so their families can thrive. And you would give them boldness so they can live out their faith and you would get the glory in their lives. It only comes from you. So help us, God. Help us to make those decisions this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we wanna just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, If you're someone who during the message, you thought, you know what? I want to know more about Christ. I wanna give my life to Jesus. And I I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, We want to connect with you. So if you could text forgiven to 94,000, And that way, one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, Here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.